Welcome to the Fearless Warrior Podcast. This is a place where truth is shared, taboos are disrupted, secrets are revealed, and power is gained. I'm your host, Danny Temras, and it is my personal mission to empower women in becoming the best version of themselves. Each week, I'm bringing you inspiring guests to help you build your confidence and mental toughness so that you can live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the next episode of the Fearless Warrior Podcast. I'm super excited about today's conversation as this topic touches so many people around the world, especially during this time. No matter if you're a fresh graduate or a seasoned business professional, there are times in your life when you find yourself searching for a new job. Sending resumes and motivation letters is a thing of the past. How do successful professionals land great offers? How do you navigate challenging times and make yourself stand out in the sea of competition? These are just some of the few topics we cover during today's interview with Alan Ennis. Alan is a serial entrepreneur, marketing executive, who's passionate about empowering marketing teams to find better and more efficient ways to manage work. As a pioneer in agile marketing, Alan has been developing new systems and processes geared toward making marketing teams ultra-efficient. In his marketing career that spans over two decades, Alan has had a direct impact on the bottom line and has helped take one company from 18 million to over 100 million in annual sales in just a few years. Alan actively advises, sits on boards of organizations, and has written eight books, including one that was featured on the Today Show. If this wasn't enough, Alan also owns his own marketing consultancy company and is also the host of the Agile Marketing Experience podcast that you absolutely have to check out. In this episode, we discuss what a successful job search strategy looks like and what you need to have in place to land the right offer. We talk about interview tips, how to stay relevant in the job market, and the right mindset one needs to employ when looking for a new role. This episode is packed with many practical tips. Tune in and share it with someone who needs to hear this. And give us a rating on Apple Podcasts uh, so that we can better spread the message of empowerment to other listeners like you. If you're like me and you're constantly juggling many balls, do sign up for my weekly newsletter on danielatemras.com so that you never miss a new episode. And now let's dive into the interview. Alan, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. Welcome to the Fearless Warrior podcast. Well, thank you so much for the introduction. You know, it's it's quite nice to hear all of the different accomplishments. I'm, I'm kind of proud and honored by the way you, you presented my background there. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to be on the show today. I'm glad to have you. Thank you for being here. Ellen, what would you like our listeners to know about you? You know, what's interesting, I feel like in, in some ways I, I'm still young at heart, but, you know, I'm, I'm 48 years old this year. And I feel like I've experienced, you know, three or four lifetimes of, of um, experiences. I have a wide variety of a background. So when you, you know, you look at my history, I was born in a small town in Southeast Arizona. I guess in hindsight, it was a good place for me to be raised, but that small town life is, is definitely not for me. And so it was literally the day after I graduated high school, I packed up everything I owned into my old beat up car and, and you know, I drove for the Phoenix metro area which was, you know, the closest big city to where I lived at. I like the faster pace of, of bigger cities, especially at that time. This was 1990. That's so many years ago. You know, there just wasn't the opportunity in small towns. I mean, maybe, you know, with the internet today and everything where you can do a lot more stuff remotely, there's maybe a lot more opportunity in small towns. But back then there just wasn't. And for, for me, it was I wanted to get into more opportunity you know, I got into reading about entrepreneurship uh, probably when I was about 14 years old. And from that age on, I've always wanted to own my own company. And it was really kind of ingrained in me that, you know, I was going to own this, you know, big company and I was going to do all kinds of cool stuff. And and that is really what I w- wanted to accomplish. You know, I was a decent student. You know, I, I had probably mostly B's in high school. You know, I wasn't in the top 10% of my class, but my senior class voted me most likely to succeed. And I think a lot of that had to do with kind of the, even the mindset that I was exhibiting at the time of, you know, how I wanted to go build 
a business and be all kinds of successful in the, in the financial world and, and do a lot of kind of neat and different things. First business I actually started um, when I was, uh, I was 20 years old. I met a guy that had an electronic repair business that he was running out of, literally out of, out of his garage in his house. And, um, you know, I knew very little. I actually had a, a two-year associate degree in, in electronic engineering that I'd gotten in, in one year just to, to get some type of college background in me. But I took that knowledge and um, learned some stuff from him. And then I convinced him to make me a partner in his company. Hey, let's take this company out of your garage and see what we can do with it. And he agreed. And, um, you know, off to the races, we went with that company. And we did really, really well. The, the first five years, I think it was every single year for the first five years, we doubled the size of the company every single year. And by about year seven, we were the largest electronic cash register repair company in, in the U.S., and we were doing an incredible amount of circuit board repairs every single year. We had a bunch of technicians. Company peaked in about 1999, 2000 is when our company was at the largest size. But then after that, our competition was not necessarily one given company that like took us out. Our competition, because we were better than everybody else, we had about 80% market share at that time for wholesale cash register repair in the U.S., our competition really became the garbage can because that was in the in the days in the early 2000s of when electronics became smaller and smaller and less and less expensive. And there became a point where it just didn't make sense to repair anything that was broken anymore, you know? And so you throw it out and that's what, you know, the garbage can was our competition that basically put us out of business. But, you know, that was a really good business. I had a really good run for a decade on that. And after that, I went on to do other things. I ended up writing eight books. I had a book that was published um, and um, I had it on the Today Show. And that was probably one of the most proud moments of my life. I had about 2,000 people there for my book signing in New York City. And it was um, quite an accomplishment that, that I had with that. Um, I did some film production. I got into building homes. Um, I've got my own marketing consulting company I have today. I do strategy for a large building material company, and I even have my own podcast. So I love getting into all kinds of different projects and uh, seeing what I can do with them. It's kind of, you know, like I said, from about age 14 on, I've just been an entrepreneur at, at heart. That's amazing. So many fantastic results and accomplishments. So today you're a very successful marketing executive. I'd love to learn a little bit more about what has helped you get where you're at today and even how you got to marketing yourself? Yeah, I would say, and that's irony. So when you look at, again, my education, my background, yet to this day to have a, a marketing class in, in a college environment, and yet I'm a very good marketer. And so how did that come into play? You know, I've got an electronic engineering associate degree, and that's, that's all my traditional education there is. And so I think the two things that have really helped give me a competitive advantage over the years is... One is that I've really developed this growth mindset, you know, where it's like, I love to learn. I love to consume uh, content. And, um, you know, I'm at, I'm at a point in my life right now where I consume about 50 books a year, either on developing new skills or strengthening my mental game are the two primary things that I work on with consuming content. Um, and I mainly do audiobooks and podcasts because I, I find it, I can multitask, especially, you know, if I'm, I'm have a 30 minute commute one way to work, you know, where, where my office is at, you know, I'm, an, I'm sitting in the car for an hour a day and I can consume a ton of content just by listening and driving at the same time. And that's, I think the wonderful thing about today's world is you can literally teach yourself almost anything. You know, I taught myself marketing. I, I attend conferences probably about every single year. I've read, I don't know, probably over a hundred different marketing books. I've connected to all kinds of, of people in the marketing world. I've been doing marketing for a, a lot of years. So a lot of it's just, I think, just kind of self-taught. I'll give you another example, too. It was about six years ago when I wanted to teach myself about strategy. I wanted to, you know, because I, I started getting into it a little bit. And the more I got into it, the more I found I really, really enjoy the, the, uh, the strategy side of, of, of business. And in about 12 months, I consumed about 60 books on strategy. I signed up, uh, I became a member of the only strategic planning professional trade organization out there, which is um, Association for Strategic Planning. I started attending their annual conferences, meeting all kinds of great people in, in the strategy world. I learned a ton, a lot of new things from them. 
a couple of years later after that, I was voted onto their board of directors and got to work with some of the top strategists from around the world. So, I mean, it was this really kind of cool thing that I just kind of self-created, you know, it's like, you know, I never took traditional classes that you would find in college. Well, you got to go to college to, in order to do strategy. You got to get an MBA. No, I didn't do any of that. I just fast-tracked it right into, okay, what do I need to learn about the subject matter? And I'm just going to consume as much content as I possibly can, surround myself with the experts out there in the field. And to me, that, and then and take that, what I'm learning and put it in the practice. And to me, that's the, at least that's the way I function. That's the easiest way to learn and to get value immediately out of what you, uh, the content you're consuming. And so that's one of the things I, I would encourage to a lot of your listeners is, you know, develop that lifelong growth mindset, you know? And so I've seen so many people that come out of college, you know, they get their degree in whatever subject matter it is. And then all of a sudden, you know, they quit wanting to learn. They think that learning is done. Well, I got my degree. I don't need to, I don't need to get educated anymore. And the reality is, is the complete opposite is you should be learning something new every single day and be proactive about furthering your education. So you can teach yourself anything today almost for free. And so why are you not taking advantage of that? One of the things that I think has given me a, a competitive advantage over the years is that I outlearn almost anyone that's around me because I consume so much content. And so to me, that's probably one of the most important things, at least for, that, that I can deliver as, as bringing value to myself. That's the beauty about it. It doesn't take any special gifts. I don't have to be super smart. I'm, I'm typically not the smartest person out there, but most people think I'm a, I'm a genius at a lot of things because I'm so smart on a lot of different subjects, right? just, just, just because I consume so much uh, content. The other thing I do want to cover on this, um, Danny, is my second competitive advantage is my willingness to just to basically outwork anyone that's out there. And so I put in a lot of hours. I put in a lot of effort at everything that I do. And that's one of the things that I found over the years is that if you want to make progress on something that is very important or, or you want to accomplish something that is above and beyond the ordinary, you have to put in the hours. You have to put in a ton of time and, and, and take massive action. And I'll tell you one of the things that, you know, sometimes that particular subject matter of, of talking to somebody about, you know, why aren't you working, you know, more than 40 hour a week? And, and people become very guarded at that because, I, you know, I, I found that some people have the mindset of saying, well, look, I don't need to work hard because I work smart. And I'm like, well, wait, I've consumed at least three or four books on how to work smarter. And so, and I feel like I probably work smarter than most people. And so where, where's your competitive advantage on me at that point? You know, because I'm still going to outwork you. So there's no reason why you can't work smart, work hard at the same time. If you want to accomplish great, now I'm not saying that everybody needs to, but if you want to accomplish something great in life, you are going to have to work your ass off. Because if, it, if it's that easy, then everybody will be doing it and, and it wouldn't be something great that you're accomplishing. You know, that's just the nature of the way it works. Another thing I hear too, Danny, is, um, you know, I've had people that, that say, well, well, wait, 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 you can't work more than 40 or 50 hours because I've read a study, I've read multiple studies that say that your productivity starts to go down after 40 or 50 hours of work. I guess my thing would be, you know, because they're coming from the, you know, they look at that, well, I read this article, it's been three or four studies, so it's a proven fact. Now, I would argue that because what I would say is I would agree with that. If that if you take someone that is normally working a 40-hour week and you all of a sudden say, hey, I need you to start working 60 or 70 hours this next week, their productivity is going to drop after what they're normally used to doing. So you, you can't be taking someone who is in that normal routine of a 40-hour week and say, hey, next week I need you to work 80 hours and expect the same pro productivity. Their mind and mental state just isn't trained for that. But what, what I will say is that you can definitely condition yourself to work longer where your mind and body adapt to start to function at, at those normal levels with, with longer hours. And I know that because I've done that and I can see that even within my own work. I've been put in long hours and at the end of the workday, I'm still massively productive. And so I, I'm, I'm sitting here telling you that you can condition yourself to work you know, 60, 70, 80 hours and above with very little drop in productivity. And I'll give you another example. It's kind of the same thing. Here's a good analogy. To me, it's the same thing with long distance running. If I've never run more than six miles at any one time in my life, 
or somebody come up to me and say, hey, tomorrow I want you to go run a marathon. It's just not going to happen. I'm not going to be able to do it. But if you sit there and condition your mind and your body weeks uh, over weeks of time to, uh, you know, with longer, longer runs and to start preparing for that marathon, then you can get up that next day and run that marathon with ease if you're conditioned to do it. And just like if you're conditioned to work longer than 40 hour weeks is that you can easily do that with being very productive. So I'm hoping that I can disrupt that for any of the people out there that are listening and say, no, no, no. And, and again, I'm not here sitting telling you that you need to work more than 40 hour weeks. If, if you want a standard life, what everybody else does, then yeah, work that. But I'm guessing if you're listening to this podcast that you probably don't fall in that category. You probably want a little bit more out of your life and you want to accomplish something cool. And so what, what I'm basically saying is like, for me, that's been my success o- over the years is that those are my two competitive advantages. I, I will learn and consume as much content as possible. And then two is I will outwork every possible person around me because I know that those two things, when you put those two things together, you become almost unstoppable. Thank you. I think you summarized so many golden nuggets in here. One being um, you never stop learning. Number two, um, you got to give the time and effort to produce the results you want to produce. So now the reason why we're meeting today specifically is to uh, talk about job search and effective job search strategies. So at this time, um, there's still so many people who are looking for new opportunities, given the fact that we find ourselves in the time of pandemic, many layoffs have happened and a lot of unpredictability in business. So as someone who has been in this business world for so long and has started a number of different businesses, hired multiple individuals, I'd like to know what you think are the key qualities that hiring manager or yourself would be looking for a new hire? Yeah, I love this topic, Danny, because a couple things. So yeah, we're in the middle of a pandemic and worst unemployment probably in, in decades in this country. A lot of uncertainty about what's going to be happening. There's a lot of companies that don't want to hire anybody right now. A lot of companies that are going under. We have no idea when this is going to be resolved. It could be months or years before things return back to normal. So, you know, if you're unemployed right now, you're pretty much screwed. But, you know, I, I say that that's what really the challenge is with a lot of people's mindset is that that's what they think. They think that there is no hope. There is no way out. But what I'm here to tell you is that maybe we need to start looking at a different strategy because studying strategy for the last six years intently, one of the things that I have learned about strategy, if you put the right strategy in place and execute it, that you can overcome so many more obstacles that are out there. So right now, yeah, it's it's a bad situation. If you're new out of college and you just got your degree, you're looking to get into the job world or you just lost your job. Yeah, it's tough. It's high unemployment. And, you know, the best way out of your situation is, is going to be to be agile. You know, you, you have to adopt this growth mindset and, and this warrior mindset. And in today's marketplace, you need to learn how to pivot quickly. You need to learn new skills and, and possibly get in the new industries. So adaptability is probably one of your most vital skills that you're going to need to build upon. I'll give you another scary stat that in the next 20 years, as much as 50% of all jobs will be eliminated by AI and robots. Think about that. So imagine, you know, hey, you just graduated from college, you land your dream job, you know, it could be two or three years later, all of a sudden the AI comes in and, and now your job is eliminated everywhere. So it's not like you can go get a job at a different company because that job no longer exists because the robots are doing it. So now what? So you better be adaptable. And adaptability is going to be one of the key skill sets that people are going to have to learn over the next two decades. Absolutely. And, you know, there's so much that we could unpack just within adaptability, right? Um, A question that stood out for me as you were talking about this is how do you stay relevant in the market, right? So let's imagine, right, you, you may have some experience in marketing or this is where you can draw uh, from your skills, from your talents, and then you find yourself in a situation when you need to pivot. So how, uh, how would you advise our listeners to be more adaptable, right, and when the market requires it? Well, again, it goes back to when we talked about my competitive advantages, this, the same thing I would, I would offer to everybody else is develop at least that, that number one thing I talked about, which is that growth mindset of I want to consume as much content as I possibly can so I can learn about new things and develop new, new skills. And so if you're constantly developing new skills, you will have a competitive advantage over everybody else that is not. You know, if, if I'm consuming 50 to 60 books a year, how many new skills can I learn? Quite a few. 
the person that's consuming maybe one or two books, how many new skills are they learning? Who has a competitive advantage at that point? And so, yeah, if you want to be adaptable, adaptability and growth mindset go hand in hand. You want to be the most adaptable, which I agree with that statement. You're going to have to be adaptable in the next 10 or 20 years because it's not going to be other people taking your jobs. It's going to be the artificial intelligence. You know, they, that robot took my job. <laughs> and that's the reality. But you know what it is? that The reality is that there's still a, t- a ton of opportunity out there. I like that saying too. It's like, hey, when you're walking with a friend or a colleague in the woods and you see a bear and the bear starts to chase you, you know, you don't have to be faster than the bear to survive. You just have to be faster than your friend. And that's going to be the same way in the future is that you don't have to be better than everybody. You just have to be better than most of the other people out there. I don't have to be AI, but I need to be able to beat the other people out there that are, are vying for the same jobs. And so that comes back to the original question is how do you land a job in today's marketplace where you got 10% unemployment or more? And right now I can go post a, a job for a, a marketing intern and I got 200 people apply for that job and I got, I got one opening, and, but I got 200 choices at least. It might be 250 now. So how do you make yourself stand out in a marketplace like that? is really what we have to understand. But, you know, it goes back to me. is like, I look at everything from a strategy perspective today. And it's like, we just need to build a better strategy. And so that's what I love about the session today, because I'm hoping that I can, what I want to do is maybe do a quick little strategy planning session for the listeners here. So if you don't have a job or you're looking for a job or you just lost your job, this might be a better strategy to employ than maybe what you've been using. So let's talk about strategy and what what that really means. The first thing I have to say is most people do not understand what, what strategy really is. And strategy is basically developing the plan of how you're going to win in a unique way that differentiates yourself from the other competitors out there. So when we're talking about finding a job, we have to have the right strategy. Let me break down strategy into kind of four easy components for this particular scenario that we're running here. Really, the steps for developing a strategy is you have to have your aspirational goal. Like, what are we really trying to accomplish? And you have to know that up front. And then everything else gets built around that. And then two is where where are we going to play this game? And then three is how are we going to win the game? And then the last one that I want to throw into this particular thing is, is that skills gap analysis where we need to really take a look at what skills are you missing that maybe you need to prove upon, you know, going back to that lifelong learning, and maybe you need to go consume a bunch of content to learn some new skills. So uh, maybe for this example, let me, let me use, um, uh, let's just say uh, I'm trying to build a strategy for Sally. And Sally just graduated from, you know, she just got her, her college marketing degree, and this is going to be her first job. And, and so that's her goal. That's Sally's goal. That's her aspiration goal. She wants to land her first marketing job. Um, by the way, if, if Sally can't land that marketing job within probably six to nine months after her graduating, then every job she applies after that, people are going to start to wonder, well, what's wrong with Sally? Why can't she get a marketing job? And then her value in the marketplace starts to drop after that. And I've, I've seen that with people where, where they can't get their first job in the industry they want to work in for one, two, three, four years. And then all of a sudden they find themselves doing something else that, that is totally unrelated to their degree and they can't find a way back in because nobody wants to hire you know, someone that graduated with a, a marketing degree four years ago, but it hasn't done a single marketing job. And that's the challenge that a lot of people have out there is that you have to make progress almost immediately after after college. Otherwise, you get branded as, hey, here's somebody that isn't really good at marketing because they never got, you know, they never were able to land a job. And then, so there's something wrong with them. And that makes it that much more difficult to, to get hired. So that's the number one thing is, OK, so so Sally wants to get her first marketing job. So step number two is, okay, where are we going to play? So in other words, where is she going to be doing her job search? And so in this example, we're going to use the typical internet job boards, you know, Indeed, Monster, any of those other boards like that, where she's looking at, hey, I just want to see how many marketing jobs are in this particular metro area where I want to live at. And I'm just going to start applying there. And so that's where she's playing. So she's going to be playing on the typical online job search. The next step is how to win. So how is she going to win in that game? And by the way, in strategy, this is the most important step. And this is where most people fail because they do not understand. They don't know what to do to win. They're following everybody else. What does everybody else do? Well, I'm just going to copy what they do and and hope maybe I can do a better job at that. But the problem is that when you look at at strategy, strategy at at the heart, like if you're doing it properly, you have a built-in competitive advantage over everybody else. 
And so that is one of the most important things that you have to do is like, how do you get a competitive advantage in this marketplace that's saturated with 200 to 300 people applying for the same job that you're looking for? And that's the question you need to be asking yourself, because if you don't have a competitive advantage, then you are just one of everybody else. You're just one of the numbers and what you're just hoping that somebody's going to draw your name. And in today's marketplace, that does not work. It does not work well. And it's, it's tough out there. And so that's what uh, you know really encourage people to do is get a solid strategy. A solid strategy is where you have that competitive advantage, where what you are presenting is better than what everybody else has. It's different and better than what everybody else has. So I hear this type of stuff, you know, and it's like, well, I'm going through the motions of doing what everybody else is doing. I'll hear something like this. I've applied for 80 jobs and only I've only got one interview that didn't go anywhere. And so then I'll ask them, well, let's review your strategy. You know, how do you win? And then the people say, well, what do you mean? I apply for jobs. That's how I win. So what you're saying is really your strategy is a numbers game. You know, apply for a bunch of jobs and eventually you'll get one. You know, hey, if, if unemployment is 2% or 3%, yeah, that's probably going to work because there's more jobs than there are people looking for jobs. But when you have a very high unemployment and you got 200 people applying for the same job, that ain't going to fly. That's not going to work. So now you have to develop a new strategy where it can't be a numbers game because there isn't enough jobs available out there. So, you know, how do you win in an environment like that? How do you win on a job board? So it goes back to two things. There's two things you need to do. So you might want to write this down if, if you're interested in knowing that the two main secrets that you need to do to win is one, you need to win by convincing whoever's looking at your resume and cover letter why you deserve an interview. And two, when you get that interview, you need to convince them that you are the absolute best candidate and there's no, nobody else better for, for you. And then most people say, Alan, that's so obvious. So I already knew that. Okay, so if those are the two things you're trying to accomplish, how are you going to accomplish those? And these are the questions that most people don't ask. You know, a lot of strategy is, is understanding what you're really trying to accomplish first and then start asking really good questions that will lead you to the right answers. So I would argue if you've sent out dozens of resumes and haven't gotten a, a single interview, your resume and cover letter are not saying the right things. And then I'll hear something like, well, I've done the research. I'm using best practices. I've, I've looked at five different websites and I've copied what they're doing. Yeah, but isn't that what everybody else is doing? And so it goes back to how does that give you a competitive advantage of everybody else? You're just like everybody else out there. Yeah. And I would add, like, how do you bring your true authentic self into the job search process, right? Because if everybody else is copying these beautiful lines, then at some point it's really not original anymore. Yeah. You have to be able to differentiate yourself from everybody else. And you have to bring some of your, your own personality into that resume. So again, it goes back to, okay, so what's really the secret? I'm going to tell you the secret right now is that you can go on the internet and you can read on there and, and you can read 20 people's different things of these so-called experts of what they say that you need to put on your resume. You could ask me and I'll give you four or five or six that I would love to see on a resume. But here's the key secret to this whole thing is that none of our opinions matter. The only person that matters is the person that's going to be reading your resume and the person that's going to be interviewing for you for that job. So the strategy to win is if you knew exactly what questions that they're going to ask in the interview and exactly what they were looking for on that resume, could you not develop a winning resume? And when you have the interview, answer all the questions in a way that they want to hear. If you knew that and went, did that going in, you would win. You would land that job. How do you do that is what I want to know. That's how you develop a winning strategy is when you start to understand of what does it really take to win? Because I'll tell you this is that first look, say, well, that's impossible. How do you know what they're looking for on, on a resume? How do you know what questions they're going to be asking in an interview? Well, there's ways you can actually find that out. Now, you may not get full details on this stuff, but I, let me fill you on the secret. And this is something you definitely want to write down. Because if you are looking for a job, those are the two things I want you to start focusing on is getting a better understanding of those companies that you're applying for. And the way you do that, and this is the number one secret of, of anything I'm going to tell you guys today is LinkedIn. LinkedIn is your best friend. And what you want to do is you want to go to LinkedIn and you want to get a trial on their sales navigator. And I think normally that's about 80 bucks a month for that as a seat on that. But I think they have a 30 day free trial. And what you want to do, you're going to need that because that's going to give you full access to all the LinkedIn contacts out there. And what you're going to want to do is get in the sales navigator and you're going to start doing research on that company that you're applying for. And what you want to look for 
are people, ex-employees, people that used to work for that company with very similar job titles. Ideally, if you could find someone that has the exact job that you're applying for that used to work there in that exact same job. And then what you're going to do is you're going to reach out to them on LinkedIn. You're going to send them an email saying exactly what you're trying to accomplish. Hey, John Smith, I see that you used to work for XYZ company. I'm actually looking to try to get a job there. And I'm wondering if you would be so kind, because I could really need your help on this, if you could give me 10 minutes on the phone of where you can talk and maybe give me some advice about that particular role. Would you be willing to do that? And I'll tell you, because I've done this personally, is that the amount of response you're going to get is is tremendous. It's about 50%. So you might see about 40 to 50% of the people that respond to you say, absolutely, I'll be happy to get on the phone with you and talk you through it. And what you want to do is you want to come prepared to those talks. So when you're talking to the people, you want to extract as much possible information as you can out. So these ex-employees, what's it like working for that company? Do they know the exact role that you're applying for? Who are the people that are in that department? What are those people like? What are the key skills required to do the job? Who would you be reporting to? Are they a pain in the butt? Maybe you don't even want to work for the company. You're going to learn from them. (laughs) I don't even work for that company anymore. What would you recommend putting on my resume to help get me an interview? Do you think that they might have some insight on that that can give you some right answers on that? Who reviews the resumes? What are they looking for? What skills do you think I need to highlight the most? If someone had your exact job that you're applying for, I think that they can answer a lot of those questions for you. 100%. Now you can start crafting your resume exactly for what they're looking for. And when you get that interview... You already had the inside track onto what the guy's going to be asking or a girl's going to be asking you. What are good questions I need to ask during the interview? What do you think they're looking for? What's the culture of the company like? What's the department like? Just extract as much information as you can from them. And, and I would recommend don't stop at one, get two, three, or four people to talk to because you're going to get different perspectives. So to me, that's where the gold is. Because if you know exactly what questions they're going to be asking and what exactly they're looking for in their resume, if you know that, you win. That's game over. That's your winning strategy. And so now your job is not to just to send out a resume. Your job is to try to gain that intel, that market intel. So how do you do that? You go talk to ex-employees. I would not talk to current employees because that could mess things up. It could mess up your chances. But talk to former employees. And I'm telling you, a lot of them are going to give you some time. Yeah, I think this is a really good advice. And I would actually also encourage um, individuals to reach out even to current employees that you might be either connected with. Oftentimes, the second uh, connection on LinkedIn. Well, yeah, it, you're right. If you do have a relationship with somebody, by all means, definitely do that. But to me, that's really the essence of it is, you know, hey, if you want to win, do something different than what everybody else is doing and find out exactly what they're looking for and then build your resume and build your interview skills around that. It's not always going to work out where the former employees are going to be able to lay down exactly what they're looking for in the resumes and stuff like that. But you know what? They're, they are going to give you some key insight. And so you need to leverage that. And that, that leverage may give you that extra bump to get that, that interview. And, and that when you have that interview, you might say that one thing because you said that one thing. And that one thing is what the ex-employee actually told you to say. And you said it and it landed you the job. So now let's go back and let's review Sally's new, new strategy. So her aspirational goal is to land an entry-level marketing job. She's going to play on these internet job boards, how to win. Um, she's going to learn who's reviewing the resumes, what they're looking for and understand who is going to be giving the interview and what they're looking for. Uh, She's going to identify, and she's going to do this by identifying at least two to three former employees on LinkedIn, reaching out, asking for a 10-minute phone call, extracting as much information as possible. She's going to redo the resume to fit what that company's looking for. And then the final step is to do that skills gap analysis. You know, are they looking for someone with experience that you don't have? You know, for example, Sally, so she's applying for this job, and let's say that they're looking for someone with, experience in, in Pardot. And Sally's like, man, I just came out of school and I've heard about Pardot, but I really don't even know what that is. You know, this is where Sally needs to go take a crash course in understanding what Pardot is. She needs to go study as much as she can, just go look at all kinds of YouTube videos, podcasts, anything that she can find on Pardot, read about. And she needs to probably put in about 10 hours of work and then come back and put on her resume that I have Good. I have a good understanding of Pardot. You don't want to lie and say I have experience working with Pardot. But hey, after you put in 10 hours of learning, you're, you're going to have a pretty good understanding of what that particular tool is. And now you can put that on your resume. And you can put some details too. Hey, I understand about Pardot and how to build the you know these drip marketing campaigns using Pardot. 
and now when they ask you in the interview, you can walk through some of the stuff that you remembered seeing in the, in the YouTube videos. So that's the type of stuff that you want to do. You want to shore up your weaknesses and, and, and build yourself to exactly what that company's looking for. And that's how you land a job in today's marketplace. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, staying relevant, gaining the skills that the market requires, for sure. There's so many resources out there. I guess the one thing I do want to call out when you were talking about uh, where do you play and where do you go to land jobs? If you are just graduating, it's true that you may probably be starting with a lot of these job sites and postings um, on many places online. But I would say do leverage any of your existing connections, friendships. Even if you're just graduating, you may know somebody who graduated a year ago or two, and they might be already working at a great company that you want to be part of. And then second, uh, strengthen your relationships with people on social media, on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is one of the probably the best places for career growth and development, but uh, still so many people get connected with uh, recruiters and individuals on Facebook and, and other platforms. There's so many Facebook groups uh, where you can find a lot of great content. So it doesn't only happen need to happen through the traditional websites like, um, yeah, you mentioned Monster or, uh, well, Glassdoor is actually a, a good one, but uh, there are several others where a lot of the new and let's say cool jobs may not necessarily be, they may not be posted there. Absolutely. So um, you need to look um, in many places. Can I use that as a segue into the next topic, which I'd love to talk about if we got some time here is, is talking about landing that dream job because- you know, it's one thing to get a job. It's another thing if I want to go land my dream job. And, and I get that asked on me, hey, how do I go get my, my dream job that I'm, 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 I really would like? And the first thing I ask is I said, well, do you currently have a job? Because I always find that to be kind of I, the irony of the whole thing is most people tend to look for their dream job when they're unemployed, which is really kind of weird um, because that's probably the last time you need to be trying to find your dream job. Because when you're unemployed, the first thing you need to do is, hey, I'm, I'm going to get... <laughs> I need to get a job really quick and it may not be my dream job. I just need a job so I can pay my bills. So the best time to look for your dream job is when you're secure and you already have full employment and you just want to go find your the job you'd love to have. So the first thing I always tell people is, okay, so let, let's build a strategy around building a dream job. And so, you know, okay, the first step is what's your aspirational goal? You know, land your dream job. Okay, but we need to get a lot more detailed because it's not just a job here. What we what we want to do is really get clear on what this means. You know, and so so what company do you want to work for? What is your dream job? You know, um, and, may, and maybe it might be two or three. So I, I always recommend don't just pick one company because if you fall in love with one company, it's great. But g- give me you know two or three others that might be very similar to that that you would love to work for if that if that number one company didn't come through. What location, what part of the country would it be in? What industry, you know, what would the corporate culture be like? What kind of comp package would be your dream job? What would be your job description? What would the t- team dynamics be in that, that particular apartment you worked in? Um, what other things are super important to you? And so get very clear on all those things. And so you start crafting out what this looks like. It's important to start understanding what you really want. And if you get clear on that, then it's more likely that you're going to actually be able to accomplish that. And so once you have that idea down, you, you kind of got that listed out. I got three or four companies that um, specific names of companies that I, I'd love to work for. I know w- which location that they would be at. I know what industry it's in. I know what the comp package would, would have to look like for me to want to go work for them. Now, the next thing would be, so there's your aspiration goal. So where are you going to play? And so in this case, where you're playing is you're going to want to do direct contact with that, that dream company, with the staff that work there. And this is, again, goes back to LinkedIn. This is where LinkedIn is your friend because you want to start making connections into those companies from LinkedIn. And so from that, okay, if we're going to be playing in, in the, the dream company with their staff and trying to build, build connections in there, that's one of the most important things that you need to do how to win. So building those relationships with those key staff is going to be one of your ways of winning. Use LinkedIn for an introduction. Let them know you're a big fan of the company. And this is what I always encourage too. Let them know that, hey, uh, I'm going to be in town three months from now. You know, I'm a big fan of what what you guys do. I'm a marketing person. Is it possible that you can give me a tour of of your guys' location there? I'd love to meet you and maybe, you know, buy you a lunch if you're available. I'd love to be able to just tour. And I'm just a big fan. and, And that would be the world to me if you could do that. And if you have enough rapport with somebody that they're going to say, yeah, 
Sure, certainly. Let us know where you're coming out and I'll, I'll be happy to I'll walk you around the building and maybe we can do a lunch afterwards. And that's how you start. You start with relationships like that. You start building small and start conversations with them on LinkedIn and see if you could actually come out and visit their location. And again, it might be some of those things that, you know, you might totally fall in love with that company, but then you might say, geez, I thought the company was like this, but after I saw the way they work, maybe I don't want to work there. But yeah, most important is, you know, keep in touch with these people. Um, see if you could talk to, ask to talk to them by phone, get, you know, start to learn different people there, not just the same person. And then if you can, you know, try to drop by every six months or so and, and visit with a different person. Um, share your thoughts on LinkedIn with them, you know, keep it professional, but, you know, you could probably get away with sending a thank you gift or something like that for if, if they were to give you a tour. But again, it's like, how do you continue that relationship? How do you build that relationship? is going to be one of the keys of winning. The other thing I think that you have to do is you have to become an expert on whatever the job is. And a lot of times it's like, well, how do I become an expert at that job if I've never had that job? Well, that's when you need to start doing the job before you have it. And what I mean by that is just take whatever job it is. And so marketing is a little bit easier. So I had somebody I, I know that at one time in her life, she wanted to do marketing for an alcoholic beverage company. That was her dream job. And I, well, which one? And well, I didn't know quite which one. And I had these two or three that she, that she was thinking. And I'm like, okay, so do you have any experience doing alcoholic beverage marketing? And she says, no. I said, well, that's what you need to do. You need to become an expert at that subject matter. And so what I want you to do is go create a blog or go create a website or go create a social media site where you are starting to create content for alcoholic beverage industries. And you're just writing it. You're writing ads. You're doing other content. You're, you're writing articles about alcohol. You're putting together surveys. You're creating fun engagement with, with people. You're starting to create a fan base around you building content in that industry. And then you start sharing that back with all your connections you made at, at those different companies and say, hey, I thought you'd like to see this. This is some of the cool stuff I've come up with. And so automatically now you're putting out there that, hey, I, I have experience in this industry. I'm building the content. I've built my job before I have it. You know, maybe I'll, I'll put together a podcast. I'm going to invite those people on my show just to talk to them about alcoholic beverage company and doing marketing or whatever, whatever it might be, but something related to what the job that you're looking for is. You know, because if you can become an expert before they hire you, the chances of them giving you an opportunity has greatly gone through the roof. And so, so that's what I would encourage, you know, so build those key relationships and then become an expert before you get hired. And it might take you one, two, three years to get a shot at one of those companies because it could be just timing. Well, man, we'd love to hire you. But we just don't have the budget. And all of our employees have been here for five plus years. Nobody's leaving. There's just no opportunity. Okay, well, then maybe you might have to wait another two or three years before somebody retires or moves on. But who's going to get a shot at that You know, when it comes around? If you've built those relationships, you may have the inside track onto that job before it even gets posted. And that's what really, um, you know, from, from a strategy perspective, that's how you win. That's how you win at landing your dream job. And then last is, you know, that skills gap is find out what skills that you're missing that they need. That might be a question to ask them. Hey, what, what skills are you guys kind of missing out of your department right now? That, man, if you brought somebody in that had those skill sets, it could transform everything. And, and find that out. And, and maybe it takes you a year to learn that skill, but now all of a sudden you've got that skill that they're lacking. And, and so there's all kinds of stuff, but it's about how you position yourself for exact, you know, versus, hey, I'm going to find my dream job by going looking on Indeed to see if I can hopefully find one of the three companies I want to work for with that exact post. You know, it's just not going to happen. So you got no. to start, start creating your, your own opportunities. That's my advice for, for somebody wanting to land their dream job. This is great. And, you know, the one thing I do want to touch on is that let's, let's imagine you're already at a really good company. Maybe it's not your dream job yet, but uh, you're in a, in a good situation. How do you continue to nourish the professional relationships that you've built over time so that when you're looking for your next opportunity, you're connected so well with, uh, with your friends from, from the industry that landing a new job becomes so easy? What would you advise listeners who are, who are let's say, in later stages in their career to effectively kind of build and, and nurture the relationships? Well, I, I think with any relationship, it comes down to you have to put in the time. And, and so I, I think so many of us, you know, we just get caught up on what we're doing. And then before you know it, 
you know, you've let these relationships go cold. That's the number one thing I would encourage is, is the, you know, build some type of, uh, you know, it could be a Trello board or, or, or some activity tracking board um, where you're making yourself activities. It could be just calendar notices. Hey, this month I need to contact these three people. This month I got to contact these four or five to make sure it happens. Because if you're not proactive about that stuff, it can go cold really quick. And so you want to be the one that's proactively keeping those relationships up. And yeah, it takes work. It takes time and attention. But what's the alternative? That's right. What do you personally use to track your relationships? I use Trello for all of my tracking of, of activities, project management, everything. I know they, they don't call it a project management software, but you know, I, I use it for Agile. Good. Okay, great. Thank you. Super helpful. So now let's imagine that you uh, just landed a, a great offer. How do you go about negotiating and making sure that this is actually the package you know, that you want and that you don't necessarily cave in on an offer that may be so-so or yeah, less exciting, let's say, than you would like to accept? Yeah. This goes back to the, the exact same strategy I would employ for, for getting that job in the first place or for landing, I should say, landing that interview and, and having somebody, you know, get to the point of giving you a job offer. And that's, look, if, if somebody's giving you a comp package and, and you want to negotiate, how do you win at negotiation? Well, if I knew exactly where their, their point was, where they were going to stop, I would win. So how do you, how do you find that out? Well, again, while you're talking to those ex-employees, now, some of them might not feel comfortable about talking about, hey, what was your old comp package? But I mean, that would be probably the last question I would ask before I, I, hey, let me ask you one more question before we hang up, man. I totally appreciate your time. Is it possible you would be able to um, share with me what you think a comp package for, for my position should be based on what, what you knew about working there? Do you think that they could give you some insight on that? And again, it, it may not be exact, but I think they, they probably could give you some insight that could help you in that negotiation strategy. You know, that's how you win. Totally. You get the numbers ahead of time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you do your research. Yes. And then when you ask uh, or when they ask you for the compensation, you, you give them. If usually it's, it's either a mix of what is the market rate plus what you really do think your value to add. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's a certain level of experience and uniqueness that you bring to the team and that should be part of that, the package, right? Because you're a unique member of their team. You're giving them something they don't have today. So as this is a, a Fearless Warrior podcast, I'd love to know from you, what does being a warrior mean to you? I love that question. Let me start with a Mike Tyson quote on this. You know, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. And that's, that's my favorite Mike Tyson quote. <laughs> And basically what he means by that is, is, you know, life is rarely easier than what we expect. You know, we always think, well, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to be able to conquer this and we to accomplish this. But then, oh, shit, I didn't realize how, how difficult this was because that's the way life is. Life is always almost more difficult than the way you, you think it's going to be. And it's so easy when you're sitting in, in comfort to make those big dreams. You know, I'm going to go run a marathon while I'm sitting eating my, my bag of chips and drinking a soda. I'm going to go start that new company. I'm going to go land that, that dream job. And then you go out and try to do all those things. And, you know, life happens to you. It, you find out, holy crap, this is so much more difficult than what I thought it would be. You know, the world crashes down on you and, and, uh, and spits you out the other end, you know, and you're like, what just happened? So to me, that is where the pivotal point is. That's where the defining moment is. Because when life punches you and you're sitting there lying on the ground, what do you do? You're either going to lie there and curled up in a fetal position and say, oh, woe is me. And, you know, I'm just a victim of the marketplace. Or are you going to get back up and then get punched down again and get back up? And to me, that's what a warrior is. Getting back up and unleashing that warrior within, inside you, that is where power is. That's where true power is. And you have to learn how to do that. That is one of the most important skills that you can develop in your life. Become relentless with that drive to continue when it feels like the world is just shitting on you and you can't go any further, but yet you dig down deep inside and you find a way to get back up and go conquer your dreams and go after your goals. That's what's being a warrior is to me. I love that definition. 
What a great way to close out the episode. So, Alan, any final uh, parting thoughts with the audience? Yeah, just I would say just give up your your BS story that you keep telling yourself of why you can't have something that that you think you can't have, because ultimately it comes down to that is like there is so much you can accomplish. There's so much opportunity out there. You just need to go take advantage of it. And a lot of times it's, yeah, you maybe don't know what to do, but start trying to develop a better strategy around things. Because if you have the right strategy, sometimes it can make life a hell of a lot easier. So that would be, I guess, my parting thought on that is don't lose hope. Go out there and, and dig deep down and, and pull that warrior out of you and, and go attack. Go find a way of winning. Go attack and go execute. Exactly. A great strategy can help you a great deal, but without executing on it, well, it's not, it's not so helpful. Or it's rather disappointing because you had the plan, right? <laughs> Ellen, thank you so much for, for spending uh, some time with us today. I really appreciate it. If people want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Uh, just go on to LinkedIn and put, put my name in there, Alan Annis. I think there's only two on all of LinkedIn, so I'm pretty easy to find. Excellent. Ellen, thank you so much for your time. It was such a pleasure to have you. You brought up so many great nuggets that we can take from this uh, conversation, having the right strategy and then executing on it, um, outsmarting or outlearning anybody out there learning, constantly learning, and just being also very clear on what you want. What is the dream job? Why do you want it? Reaching out to past employees, having informational interviews, doing your skills gap. There's so much. So go back, listen to the interview again, just to go through some of the questions that Alan mentioned that can help you land your next job. And I'm curious to hear about your feedback. And if any of these work, I want to uh, know about it and know about your experience. Thank you so much for dialing and um, we'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you for spending some time with me and most of all, for investing time in yourself. If you found value in this podcast, share it with your friends and family and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to our episodes. This will greatly help us spread the word and help others find it more easily. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Denny Timras. Shoot me a note and let me know what you thought of today's conversation. I always welcome any feedback or questions. Remember, now that you're here, you're part of a tribe. In this tribe, we care for each other. We lift each other up as well as share the raw, honest, unpolished truth that we often need to hear. So before you go, think about the next best action you can take to get you on your path to success. Don't wait for tomorrow. Make a commitment and do it now. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, have a great day.